Triple Whale has just launched a simple finance platform called FinHub, and I'm already loving it. One simple dashboard for all the tools and accounts you're already using, so you can gain clarity with your consolidated data, your real-time cash flow, your accrual P&Ls. It's designed to help those brands that are built on Shopify to operate smarter. So go over to triplewhale.com and check it out. today is the CLTV lady. They call her that because that is all she talks about in the green room. I was trying to get some personal facts about Juliana Jackson and she wouldn't budge. She just kept on talking about how to increase my customer lifetime value. Juliana, thank you so much for joining me. We're going to be talking about a few tactics merchants can use to increase their customer lifetime value, which I'll let you get into it, but with iOS 14, just taking a chainsaw to Facebook ads, merchants, brands, and businesses need to find another way to increase their customer lifetime value. So Juliana, thank you so much for joining me on Pit Stop. Hey, Lucas, great to be uh, here with you today. Well, it's great to uh, great to have you. So let's jump right into it. You had mentioned sort of a, an eight-step checklist, and I'll post a link in the show notes on the website. Hopefully, you saw a share on LinkedIn that people can grab to get it. But what is what's on that checklist that more brands need to be doing to increase their CLTV consistently? Cool. So a lot of focus, as you said, right now on customer lifetime value. And this is just one of the key metrics that you need to focus and monitor right now, which is a part, it's a very big part of the customer experience, right? Because it's going to reveal you how valuable a customer is to your business for a period of time, right? So I made specifically for your show today an eight-stepper. So this methodology is going to be relevant for mid-sized companies that have at least 5 million Mm -hmm. in annual revenue. And that's because they would have probably the resources, the time, and the data to apply this type of methodology. But if you're a smaller brand under $5 million annual revenue, you have to just skip some of this step, but not the ones that I'm going to mention right now. So mm-hmm. take what's essential for you from this methodology. So the first step, monitor what matters. First, you have to monitor your customer retention Then you're going to monitor the net promoter score because it shows you how many customers are going to recommend you, right, to a relative or a friend, what chances are for people to recommend you. But at the same time, if you're going to use the net promoter score smartly, you will have to do it pre and post delivery and get the delta to understand that if the expectations created by your marketing are met after the customer has your product. Mm -hmm. Then... Measure the customer effort score. It's going to tell you how hard it is for your customers to buy from you, you know, and buy again, and if they will buy again. Then, as part of the first step, you have to make sure that you measure how many orders per customers are. And this is going to help you understand how many orders on on average your customer will place. So by monitoring this, you will learn the frequency of buying and whether you have a frequency problem, even though you don't have a revenue issue because let's face it, you know, getting people to buy from you is great, but buying more from you, it's, you know, it's, it's even better. <laughs> no, nobody ever says, man, oh, our customers just spend so much with us. It's not fair as we try to go out and get new customers. They just keep buying our inventory. I've never heard that. <laughs> facts. 
facts, facts, facts. So yeah, it's not enough. You know, don't settle for a one night stand from your customers. So monitor that order per customer. And the last thing you should be monitoring mm -hmm. is the second month stickiness because that's going to show you the percentage of customers who bought from you one time and you know how many of them are coming back from you from you know that first purchase and you know purchasing from you again so what i'm saying is this on the regular based on the data that we have with uh with review uh sadly 75 to 90 percent of the customers that purchase for the first time from a brand they will not purchase again so you have very little uh sample size to work with so if you make sure that on this first step of monitoring what matters, you look at retention, you look at the net promoter score, right? So your customer satisfaction, you look at the effort score, the frequency of purchasing, right? And mm -hmm. the stickiness of the, you know, cohorts that you're bringing, this is gonna give you an idea of how, you know, how shitty or great is your acquisition. Then let's go into the second step. Are we going to the second step, Lucas? Let's go to number two. Oh my God. So change the way your company defines success or at least establish a definition that everyone in your company is on board with. I want you to remember that all that internal alignment in your company is really, really important to optimize the customer lifetime value because customer lifetime value affects everyone from every department, merchandising, marketing, commercial, technical, customer fulfillment, whatever. So your mindset should be aligned into growing this metric because customer lifetime value, I wish I had the Jamaican horns, is not a transactional metric. This is a metric that the main KPI for it is customer experience. And if all your departments are not aligned to provide value at every touch point of the customer journey, you don't have customer lifetime value to talk about. So that's the second step. Fix your company's mentality. The third step, this mm -hmm. is the, you know, this is, uh, you know, where the money is. Find your ideal customers. You will learn what are your ideal customers when you do RFM segmentation and analysis. And just like a pit stop on this pit stop, there is no customer lifetime value if you don't measure customer value. So if you want, I'm going to give Lucas a, a link to understand more about RFM segmentation and how you can do it. But, you know, long story short, RFM stands for recency, frequency, and monetary value. And this is a segmentation that is going to tell you which are your most valuable customers based on how recent they buy, how frequent they buy, and how much money they spend in your store. So this is going to help you identify the best and the worst customers from an income perspective, from an AOV perspective, monetary, how you, how you want to call it. But also, it's going to be based on how active and, you know, uh, are, they are with your shop. So think, you know, like if in SaaS you have DAOs and mouse, here you have RFM segments in e-commerce. The fourth step, you have to find what are your toxic products. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. This, so, this is what I'm here for. <laughs> so brand owners that are listening to this, customers are not perusing the internet to find your products. They just stumble upon them. That's why attribution is a bitch because people are not blatantly on their phone looking for you right now. So you need to identify the anomalies in the products, the brands or the categories that you have and to, you know, to understand what your best or worst customers buy, right? So this kind of help you optimize your product inventory. You can change the selection of products and optimize it by, you know, 
I, finding out if you're really selling toxic products. And by toxic products, I mean even you do generate revenue. These products are big churners. And the, you know, the, the customers that bought them once will never come back. And I have a short example on this one. We used to work with a company that was selling dresses. And they brought... They had like great customers, you know, all the time buying frequent buyers. So they brought the, uh, these dresses from China mm -hmm. and they were cheap, right? They sold those dresses. New customers bought them. Existing customers bought them. But no one ever came back out of that dress mm -hmm. because it was so bad that people didn't even want to complain. It was bad and cheap. So it's so cheap that you figure if I wear it once and it falls apart, whatever, I got my money's worth out of it. I just won't be back. Exactly. Yeah. So revenue is not the way. Revenue is a vanity metric. That's why, you know, you, you go back to what I was saying before, measure the satisfaction with your product mm -hmm. and allow people to experience your product. Like that's a very, very important part, because as you can see, Lucas, all of this go together. Yeah. Although I do have to disagree. Revenue is not a vanity metric because at the end of the day, you can't bank satisfaction. I will take a hundred million dollars of revenue with unhappy customers over struggling and limping to get along, but really, really happy customers. So I just, I got to play a little bit of devil's advocate on, oh, on that. Gosh. Revenue is not a vanity metric by any stretch. No, <laughs> no, I, I disagree. I, I think revenue is great. Listen, listen. So revenue is great. But if you look at revenue to understand why people find you, like your wife and divorce you, that's not, you know, the metrics that you're looking for. That's what I mean. Right. No, and I, I, I know what you're saying. But when you make a bold statement like revenue is a vanity metric, it's going to it's, it's going to get people fired up. So let, let, let's rephrase and maybe say that assuming the revenue is there, you know, the revenue is going to be there and you can get the same amount of revenue with happy customers. that costs you less because now we're getting into profits per, yeah. per customer per unit sold versus just looking at uh, at top line revenue, because having been in the position of needing more revenue and needing to optimize revenue, I will take more revenue hands down all the time. Of course, but the real secret with the revenue is to get it from the same source repeatedly. Mm -hmm. That's when you become profitable, right? Well, exactly. What well, it's uh, five to ten times cheaper, as any office fan knows, to to get a, to keep a customer than to go out and get a new one. Which means if you're happy with a fifty dollar co uh, cost to acquire a customer, you're over the moon when you get that down to twelve bucks by keeping them happy. Yeah, exactly. And the, a lot of things that you can do to keep customers happy are costing you less money than you spend on acquisitions on the regular. That's why if we talk about revenue and we're taking this stop here to have this uh, constructive conversation, like look at your acquisition costs, man, like calculate your acquisition costs and do a ratio between the lifetime value and the acquisition cost. If that ratio is one to three, for instance, which means you're spending more uh, you know, uh, more money that, you know, on, on customers based, you know, when they spend less on you, it means you're going to put your business to the ground. Because I have an example with the revenue right now, because you fired me out. Mm -hmm. <laughs> ah, so um, a customer, a fashion brand had a revenue that was like 95% growing. They were in 10 countries or nine countries. They had many employees. In the same time, the revenue was growing, so they were acquiring a lot of customers, right? Everyone was buying, buying, everyone was happy, 95%, you know, revenue increase. 
but their satisfaction score, their uh, it was like uh, the customer retention was like twenty um, percent. The satisfaction score was like forty percent, right? And their year-over-year growth was minus twenty percent. So in three years, they were in the ground because they were so focused on acquisition and growing revenue, and they were not thinking of the full story. So revenue can become a vanity metric if you only focus on revenue and not and overlook everything else that's happening in a business. That's my rephrasing of it. That, Does that's that work? true. That's true. And there is the the famous saying: uh, revenue is vanity. Profit is sanity. Cash flow is reality. And yeah, exactly. Cool. I like that. I think this is a great place to wrap up episode one. We'll see everyone back here tomorrow for episode two, where you go through points five through eight to increase your CLTV. If you're checking out Gorgeous, the number one help desk for Shopify and e-commerce, make sure you mention my name or Pit Stop Rolled Up Podcast anywhere where you heard me or this ad so that you get your two months worth of credits. Gorgeous.com, like the philosopher, G-O-R-G-I-A-S. Not my gorgeous good looks, but gorgeous like the philosopher. Just go to Google, type in Gorgeous Shopify, it'll, it'll show up. And make sure you mention Lucas Walker to get two months worth of credits. Triple Whale is doing some amazing things nowadays. They're developing just a huge range of tools to help your brand stay informed and scale. And Whale Mail is where you can get all these details. So head over to triplewhale.com and sign up today.